Chapter Five of the Adventures of Tommy Post Office: The True Story of a Cat, by Gabriel E. Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Fascio. Chapter Five: Tommy Pays Off Old Scores. Right, left, ah! Keep those claws furled, you villain! Do you think I'm going to box with you if you don't play fair? Now sit up and do your little act like a man. One, two, three. So, now again. One, two, three. That was a good one. This odd, one-sided conversation came to Robert Weston's ears as he sat at his desk one bleak November day. Rising from his chair, he stepped softly to the swinging door which opened upon the sorting room, and there beheld a funny enough sight. It was an idle half-hour between the mails, and the big sorting table was empty. Seated in the middle of it was Tommy Post Office. His head was cocked knowingly to one side, his face wore a half-belligerent expression, and his eyes seemed to say, If I only dared. He was reared up upon his haunches with both forepaws on the defensive. In front of him stood one of the post office men teaching him to box. Evidently Tommy was an apt scholar, for he braced himself and hit out in the most approved fashion in return for the harmless passes made at his head by his instructor. Several of the men stood about, some urging on the combatants, some keeping up a running comment, and some convulsed with laughter. Tommy took not the slightest notice of them, but paid strict attention to his trainer. Robert Weston joined the group. If I were better versed in the language of the ring, I could, no doubt, more readily describe the sparring bout which Tommy was holding with his opponent. Since I cannot, I can only tell what I have myself seen. Tommy seemed as well balanced upon his hindquarters as a kangaroo, and spatted and hit for dear life with his horopaws. Not once did he unfurl the sharp claws after his reprimand which he received at the outset, but cuffed away until he had vanquished his opponent, and set him from the table. Then a truce was declared, and Tommy's manner straightway changed. He jumped from the table, rubbed against the legs of his adversary, and begged for his reward. The man walked to a cupboard, and, taking from it a little package, seated himself upon a bench. Tommy promptly squatted beside him with a knowing look on his little face. "'Are you going to eat like folks, or just cat-style?' asked the man. meow row answered Tommy. "'That means yes, does it?' Tommy reached out his right paw. The man took from the package a small piece of liver, held it in front of Tommy, and the paw, the long claws no longer furled, caught it deftly and conveyed it to his mouth, where it speedily disappeared. Tommy understood table deportment. Bit by bit the liver vanished, and when the last morsel had been eaten the man said, Now go make yourself decent. You smell of dinner, and I can't abide that. Down jumped Tommy, and walking gravely to the far corner of the office, began to carefully wash his face and paws. It was a ceremony and not a vestige of his late feast remained at the end of fifteen minutes. Once, in order, he came warbling back to his friends, but meantime a mail had arrived, and they had their hands full. Then Tommy was left to his own resources for a while. One of Tommy's favorite resting places was on top of a cupboard close to the side entrance to the post office. From this vantage point he could watch all that went on, the outgoing and the incoming of the force of clerks, and smell out any dainty which one of them might possibly have concealed about him. 
So to his roost, as the men called it, he now betook himself, and ere long was in the land of dreams. He was aroused by a sound which caused his tail to swell visibly, and a wicked light to spring into his eyes. Just outside that door came a patter, patter of feet. They were not the soft padded feet of a cat, but unmistakably the feet of a dog, and dogs not allowed at large, was Tommy's slogan. So he proceeded to investigate. To jump down from his roost to the window ledge was the first move, but the window was closed that chilly day. Nothing daunted, Tommy walked along the ledge until he reached the package chute, and the next instant went flying through it, to land almost upon the back of a terrier which sat waiting for his master just beneath it. Then things happened. That dog had once made it interesting for Tommy, and now Tommy's turn had come, and he was uppermost. Away went the dog, with Tommy clinging to his back, and making a vicious dig with his claws for every bound which the dog had given when chasing him over the Capitol Park a few weeks before. He was no match for Tommy, while Tommy was uppermost, and this very soon dawned upon him, so he at once set about finding a way to rid himself of his unpleasant burden. Stopping in the midst of his wild career, he flung himself to the ground, and Tommy was unseated. Then Tommy thought that, He who fights and runs away may live to fight another day, and put his best leg forward to regain the shelter of his beloved post office. But the ever-present busybody had to interfere, and failing to recognize the pet of the office, rushed towards him, scouting, Scat! Scat! But Tommy had never learned the meaning of that word. He kept right on, and in another minute, cat, dog, and busybody were all snarled up. Bang! And down came a cane. It was well for Tommy that the dog's broad back caught it, but he was too eager to eat up that cat to pay any heed to that cane, and it would have fared badly with Tommy had not the boys in the office become aware of the uproar outside and rushed to learn the cause of it. The war cry of the office was sounded when Fred Wilder, one of the letter carriers, yelled, Boys, boys, there's a dog out here doing up Tommy. No less than twenty men rushed pell-mell from the office, armed with whatever could be caught up in their way to the door, and when the master of that dog appeared a moment later, all that he could see of his animal was a forlorn object scuttling across the park while close at hand some excited men were conducting a clinic, their subject a cat. "'Was that your dog?' asked one of them. "'Yes, it was. Has anything happened to him?' demanded the man, with some concern. Well, I hope so. And let me tell you just one thing, Sonny. You don't want to bring him with you to this post office the next time you come, for the boys have got it in for him. There won't be much of him left to enter the bench show if they get after him. You may as well understand, for we don't stand any nonsense around this cat. A few more courtesies were exchanged, and the man hurried away to learn if his dog was fit to appear in public while Tommy was born in triumph back to the office and carefully examined by the entire force, lest a scratch appear upon his precious body. But he was none the worse for his fracas, and promptly set about consoling himself for any nerve shock he might have sustained from his recent encounter. By this time there was not a hole or corner of the office which he did not know with his eyes shut and into which he had not poked his inquisitive nose, so it is not necessary to add that he was fully aware of whatever passed through the mails, provided his sense of smell could vouch for it. Curious things are often sent through the mails, and one of them happened to be consigned to Uncle Sam's care that day. Tommy went prowling about, 
and ere long came upon the parcel room. Packages of all sorts were awaiting delivery, for, not coming under the head of first-class matter, they had to await their turn. Tommy proceeded to look them over. Sniff, sniff, went his pink nose, and presently his keen nostrils were assailed by an odor which caused him to behave as though he had suddenly taken leave of his senses. He meowed, he warbled, he laid down and tumbled about, like a tipsy cat, and then, ah, woe upon him. He set about scratching with those formidable claws, and in just about one minute the paper in which that extraordinary stuff was wrapped was reduced to fragments, and no one in this world could ever guess what address had been written on it. But Tommy was having a royal time. He was wallowing in a bunch of catnip as big as himself. He took no account of time. He was enjoying himself hugely. So what cared he how time passed? It might have been an hour. It might have been more. And then came the clerks whose duty it was to attend to this class of matter. They found Tommy fast asleep. Catnip under him. Catnip on top of him. Catnip scattered from one end of the office to the other. A very carpet of catnip. What did Tommy care? Not one straw. He felt sure that all explanations concerning the condition of the mail matter should be made by the mail clerks, and that his sole duty was to sample the quality of the stuff which passed through the office. It is quite possible that the people who sent that package of catnip, as well as the people who were expecting it, are still wondering what under the sun ever became of it. But now we must skip over a year or more in Tommy's history. During that period he led a blissful life, growing more and more beautiful, winning new friends, and gaining a wider reputation. He learned many tricks, and when visitors came to the office Tommy was made to perform for their edification. The boys were extremely proud of their pet, and had been untiring in their attentions to him, so it is not surprising that he grew to be a most accomplished animal. His rescue of the park always inquired for him when she visited the post office, and more than once brought her little niece, Barbara, with her. Then Tommy found a delightful companion, for Barbara was as merry as he was, and very much alive to this wonderful cat's accomplishments. In the course of time, Tommy was invited to visit Barbara at her own home, to which he was escorted by Mr. Weston, and those were gala hours indeed, for Barbara was an original little lady, and possessed of a resourceful mind. The pranks which were played at Barbara's home would fill another book, but we must tell of Tommy's adventures. That one of them was the outcome of Barbara's fondness for him, and his affection for her another chapter must tell. But it happened after Tommy had done himself proud at the cat and poultry show, and had completed his conquest of the men at the post office by winning a prize and distinguishing himself in several other ways. End of chapter 5